This is Tech Talk Today, episode 261, The Relaunch. Launch director on countdown one, go for launch. Ten, nine, eight. Side boost ignition. Six, five, four, three, two, When Elon Musk announced the Falcon Heavy in 2011, the world was skeptical. Thanks for coming. Uh, well, we're super excited, obviously, at SpaceX to uh, announce uh, the, the, some of the details around the, the Falcon Heavy rocket. Which and our, uh, it was a different uh, Elon, a little less confident. Our, uh, our, our large rocket development, really large rocket development. Um, and... Uh, uh, it, this is something we, we've alluded to in the past, uh, but uh, 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 I've only just recently um, completed the, the design um, and uh, have been able to increase the, the thrust uh, and payload capability of the rocket uh, considerably over our previous estimations. It wasn't just Elon that was making the situation awkward. At this time, the United States was anticipating retiring. Our space shuttle. Although the space shuttle is obviously re- retiring this year, I think uh, uh, America is, this is something America can be really proud of, the fact that there's actually going to be a vehicle um, with twice the capability of the, of the space shuttle uh, that's going to be ready to launch at the end of next year. Despite all of our skepticism, it seems like SpaceX got hard to work. And as the launch got closer, Elon Musk announced that he'd be loading the rocket with a, a special kind of cargo. The tech mogul and billionaire who once sent a wheel of cheese into orbit with a rocket built and launched by his aerospace company SpaceX said he plans to launch the silliest thing we can imagine on the first Falcon Heavy rocket. Musk tweeted that the payload will be his midnight cherry Tesla Roadster playing Space Odyssey. It was a stunt with a purpose, and it grabbed a lot of attention. The eyes of the world were just all on this launch now. And as we catch up with Musk just hours before the launch, we find him contemplating the scope of what he and SpaceX are trying to pull off. Well, it's kind of like balancing three rubber burnt sticks on, in, in a windstorm. So the, thing, the most thing I'm most worried about on Ascent is that you've got these three rockets, which are, even though they look stiff, they're kind of floppy under these high loads. So you could have the body the bodies bending and, and smacking into each other. You've got unbelievable uh, sound levels and vibration levels. You know, 5 million pounds of thrust is 18... 747s at full blast. Really crazy amount of power going through this. And it's, it's really a miracle that, uh, that rocket holds together at all. And a lot of future success for SpaceX is wrapped up in this launch. Uh, we'll have a rocket that can carry the biggest satellites uh, in the world. In fact, uh, people can actually make even bigger satellites than before. We could, if we wanted, uh, take a Crew Dragon that's under development and send people on a loop around the moon and actually go further than they went in Apollo. This is all possible with Falcon Heavy. But at this point, the rocket is on the launch pad. It's fueled, and Elon is ready for a show, one way or another. People are coming from all around the world to see what will either be a great rocket launch or the best fireworks display they've ever seen. And with that... T-minus 30 seconds. Launch director on countdown one, SpaceX, Falcon Heavy, go for launch. Falcon Heavy is configured for flight. E-minus 15, stand by for terminal count. 10, 9, 
Eight. Side base ignition. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. The crowd goes insane. And thanks to an open mic, we also get to catch Elon Musk's reaction at the moment of launch. He rushes outside. Look at that. That's unreal. But let's bring this back to us. Why am I excited about the launch of the Falcon Heavy? It's because if SpaceX has their way, this rocket will be used to launch 4,000 low-orbiting Internet satellites. Satellites provide um, an alternative and a way to deliver this, um, these communication services um, that, that, are, that go beyond um, the, the UAV-based and balloon-based things that we've seen previously. So um, typically these uh, communication satellites are in geostationary orbit. That's very high up over a particular point on Earth. Um, these 4,000 satellites are going to be much closer to the Earth. Um, and which, which gives you um, a, a smaller distance that the signal needs to carry. And so this is going to be um, uh, incredibly fast broadband connection to the farthest reaches of the planet, um, on par with uh, new communications innovations coming online like 5G. Welcome back to Tech Talk Today. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Andrews. Thank you for joining me on the relaunch episode. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to get into the news headlines. I figured if we just were talking about Elon Musk and SpaceX, it's only fair to talk about Jeff Bezos's projects. But before we go there, I want to thank Linux Academy for sponsoring this episode of Tech Talk Today. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go there, sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the show. It's a platform to learn everything you need to know about Linux from the low-level stuff up to the way big stuff like OpenStack and AWS and Azure. It's self-paced in-depth video courses on every Linux cloud and DevOps topic you need to know about with hands-on scenarios that give you real experience on real servers. You SSH into those bad boys. You're working with whatever, whatever distro you chose while you're setting up. It automatically sets the courseware and the virtual machines to that distro. The new SSHN, it's hands-on stuff. You get real experience. And if you ever get stuck, they got human beings, actual humans, instructors that are there full-time to help you. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. So let's kick off the news by talking about Amazon. And you've probably heard of the Amazon Go store. We have one here in Seattle, and they plan to launch six more cashierless stores this year. Wow. We got to go down and see this. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I almost did. I almost did. Almost did. Just ran out of time when I was down there for the uh, canonical event recently. When did it open? A couple of weeks ago. It's been open for a few weeks now. And it's one of these new high-tech stores. The first one in Seattle. And they're 
supposedly going to be opening up more in Los Angeles and a few more in Seattle. About three more in Seattle are coming. It's pretty obvious this is, that this was coming, right? Because didn't it take them years to build this system? Yeah, I think it was like four years, you know, with cameras and sensors. The whole idea is you go in there, you grab the thing off the shelf you want, and you just walk out. That's sort of perfect. And it's warehouse style? It's more like convenience store meets grocery store meets warehouse products. And is it almost like Amazon Locker? Like, so you order it ahead of time? No, no, it's a grocery no. store. It's it's like a corner store. It's like a corner grocery store. You walk in there and it's got your your basics and some of your staples and a couple of items from Amazon.com. And everyone, everyone that you grab, it takes a picture of you looking at it, takes a picture of you put it back. Creepy. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's and, really creepy. And then uh, you walk out and then just uh, a little bit later, you get a report on your cell phone of everything you were charged for. Okay. And if uh, you were charged for the wrong thing, you just mark it on the app and they just refund you right now. Oh, that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to go check it out one of these days. It is a little creepy just the way they have to monitor you, but I don't know how much of it is human oversight. It must be some. But Amazon's not slowing down. I'll be representing those who don't like voice assistants in this next story. Yeah, Google says it's going to roll out routines for assistant. And you don't you don't really even use Siri, do you? No. Not really for anything. I mean, it, Siri is pretty quick at calculating, like, how many days till Dylan's birthday. Yeah, that kind of stuff. 50. <laughs> uh, so the thing that, that, like, the next level thing that I want all these dumb voice assistants to get is something that Google's starting to bake in now and Amazon's starting to bake it in. It's called Routines, where you can set up sort of like a macro. And I'll give you an example of something I'd love to see is I'd love to be able to say, hey, Tube, turn on the little heater for 15 minutes. You can't, yeah. you can't do two commands. You can say, turn on the heater. Ah. Um, or like you can say, turn on the light bulb and set it to 50%. Uh, brightness can't do that it has to be turn on the light bulb one command and then you wait for it to complete that command and then it's set the light bulb to 50 percent brightness okay and so these routines will combine some of these actions into one action and that's that's kind of interesting they're all sort of working on that right now but i think assistant's big next move is something that amazon can't even touch they're going to bake assistant in way deeper into android they're going to work with phone manufacturers to integrate in phone specific features into assistant so you would say hey googs turn on my camera in augmented reality mode and it would just launch that functionality but the integration will go deeper eventually Google saying essentially any function you can do on the phone will likely eventually be exposed via Assistant. And they're working with carriers so that way you can say, hey, Googs, how many minutes do I have left? Now, right now, it's going to be rougher than that. It's going to be like, hey, Googs, ask Sprint how much data I have left. Mm -hmm. But Google will work eventually where it'll just pick up your carrier via your SIM card. It'll infer the carrier name and you can just say, hey, how many minutes have I used? And it'll just tell you. The reach of Google. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that, of course, that's information that they will then catalog. Uh -huh. And it's something that um, unless the Amazon Fire Phones kick off, there's no way the Echo Tech can touch that. Apple has a, has some home turf there, of course, because Siri's baked into every phone. But this is where Google can really pull ahead with the assistant. Yep. We'll see where that goes. The assistant wars continue on. In the meantime, Apple is just working out issues with the watch. Turns out police are a bit annoyed at Apple right now. Grove Police dispatchers say the call started back in October of last year. 911, what's your emergency? And typically there's no one on the other line. Hello, caller, are you there? 
When we get one from Apple, the address here will come up with their location. On average, Elk Grove police say they've received 20 accidental 911 calls a day from Apple, roughly 1,600 calls since October, taking valuable seconds away from calls that may be real life and death emergencies. This is a real problem. Oh my gosh. You know, one time when I was um, doing something. You that- almost triggered it, didn't you? I, I had my hands behind my back, and yeah, I called my sister. Yeah. Not, oh, that. Not, not ideal timing. <laughs> it is possible with the iPhone ten. they have like a emergency mode that's designed for like, you know, you're in a bad situation where you mash a certain set of buttons. Right. And I almost triggered the emergency call doing that. And it, the phone starts, like it's like it's going to blow up. It starts just going crazy. Yeah. And you've got like seconds to cancel it. Yeah. You know. That's remember last week when you started your truck while washing your hands. <laughs> you, you seem to have this problem. <laughs> I do. You're right. Uh, Sixteen hundred calls though since about when that's they rolled crazy. this feature out. Yeah, that's rough. That is rough. And you know that's that's kind of the un um, unforeseen downside when you integrate features that are like that and make it super easy for people to call. The flip side is, is people get trapped in vehicles and they can use their devices. Yeah, I, I'd be curious to know how many dead air calls they get in a day that aren't Apple, you know, because if it's only one or two, they probably investigate them pretty thoroughly because like, why aren't they talking? Are they in a hostage situation? Like, you know, are they stuck yeah. in a closet? Like, You could imagine, too, they get to, oh, it's another watch call. It's, yeah. it's coming from the refurbished center, so they're sitting there working on it. It's That's so, so crazy. It's bad. It's bad. You know, there is uh, also another downside to that. It's killing battery life. So perhaps lasers can solve this problem. Mm. Yeah, that's right. New research out of the University of Washington is using lasers to wirelessly charge a smartphone safely across the room. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you add that safely because I've been... Um, Do you doubt? <laughs> I No, I've just been worried about, you know, us holding our phones or the Wi-Fi signals and all, all the things. Yeah, this is a paper that was published in December and uh, what it uses is a narrow invisible beam from a laser emitter that can deliver a charge to a smartphone sitting across the room and could potentially charge a smartphone as quickly as a standard USB cable. To accomplish this, the team mounted a thin power cell to the back of a smartphone, which charges the smartphone using power from the laser. In addition, the team custom designed safety features, including a metal flat plate heatsink on the smartphone to dissipate excess heat so you don't damage the phone. Okay, good. And a reflector-based mechanism to shut off the laser if a person tries to move in front of the charging beam's path. <laughs> okay. So there sounds like there is an element of unsafety there. Like, wow. Well, getting shot um, with the laser. So, so it does have to have direct contact. Yeah. The laser yeah. does with the back of the phone. Well, so what they've done is they've created a custom 3D printed reflector pack that they've placed around the power cell on the smartphone. Oh. Then the laser reflect guard beams uh, like start emitting off of this um, 3D printed pack. And that's how it narrows down where it's at in the room. The guard beams deliver no charge to the phone themselves, but their reflection from the smartphone back to the emitter allows them to serve as a sensor of types. And then that's how they can tell when a person moves between it. And they design the laser emitter to terminate the charging beam when any object, such as a body or a pet, comes into contact with one of the guard beams. Uh, the blocking of the guard beams can be sensed quickly enough to detect the fastest motions of the human body based on decades of studies of the human reaction time compared to the speed of light. (laughs) Mm, So I could see myself setting my glasses on the nightstand and waking up with a dead phone. Yeah, 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 because like, it just like beams and blocks the reflector. Yeah. Yeah, something got in the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the beam itself, like what kind of power are we talking about here? It, uh, if you have that little pack mounted on the back of your phone, and of course they could probably integrate that pretty nicely if it became a product, it's just a narrow beam that delivers a steady two watts of power 
to just a 15 square inch area from a distance of about 14 feet. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, is this really, I mean, I know we're going anti-cable or cord and whatever, but is this really practical? Like, I don't know. It seems like maybe in a community setup. Well, everybody's always looking to save time. So imagine no longer having to plug anything in. You just set your devices <laughs> down, your, your your remote, your phone, your tablets. But you just set them in your room. You're setting it down in a specific area, though. Well, what if it was like a, like a wall-mounted thing that could sense where it was at based on these reflections? And so wherever you put it on the table, it just starts getting charged. Okay, well, that, okay, yeah. a little closer. Yeah, yeah. I know. Everybody, everybody, tell me what you think of that. Let us know. Go to techtalk.today slash contact and send your feedback in and also send us your feedback on our kickstarter of the week kick it this is a kitchen robot and i'm pretty sure they made it just for you yeah you might be right i think younger me would have jumped all over this it's got a thousand backers with 11 days to go they wanted a hundred thousand they've gotten five hundred and fifty thousand don't call it sous vide though it's the sous vide the kitchen robot some might describe it as the future others a lifesaver we call it sous vide, the refrigerated multi-zone kitchen robot cooker, plus smart meal kit delivery service. So this thing is a cooker and a refrigerator in one with multi-zone areas. You load the dries and the wets and the meats, and it will keep them cold until it's time to cook, and then it cooks them. And it might be sort of a sous vide cook. It might be more of a fry cook. It's a Wi-Fi-enabled cooking robot that you just load your raw veggies, your raw proteins, your dry starches, and you walk away. And uh, it just cooks it for you when you get home. And then they ship you another box next week. Yeah, so they show it has phone integration. So I believe that you determine when it can cook. I, you, I'm sure it has a timer oh, yeah, setting. Yeah, for sure. But like if you're you can, running late at the home. office. Yeah, right. Or yeah, I'll be home in 15 minutes. Better get that start cooking. So the price right now is $4.79 uh, to back Oh it. my gosh, that's expensive. Yeah. Well, the market price will be $600. It's, you uh, know, it's it's about the size of a, of a large microwave or a really, really big toaster oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a what double. You, you know, the, what, I, I, what do you think, though? Because when I see this, I, maybe I'm too jaded now but they lost me at meal service well yeah i was just gonna say like you still have to acquire that food somehow and store it and that tends to be where the where the breakdown begins um i know that like with HelloFresh, I, I think that they provide the meal plan and the exact ingredients for that meal in this case i am i'm pretty sure that you'll have to order in bulk and so you'll have all the vegetables in your fridge or counter and it, i don't know i just I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm sold on on this. I do like the idea of everything just sits in there chilled until it's time to start and then it just starts cooking because um, it sort of just removes one more point of failure whenever I try one of these cooking services, which is always me <laughs> putting it all together and cooking it. And it kind of removes that. But you only get that once. And then you got to clean those trays out and reload them again. I'm not saying it's impossible, but if I'm paying a monthly service, boy, I'd sure love for the cooking part like the machine to be heavily discounted. Mm-hmm. which it probably is. But I'd like to know if the audience would try something like this. And we'll put a link to this Kickstarter in the show notes. If you want to try it out, go to techtalk.today slash contact to let us know. So season one is going to be 10 episodes. This is episode one of season one. Normally, I'm shooting for two episodes a week, uh, which would mean a five-week run. However, I'm not so sure if that's viable or not, since I'm also going to scale at the same time. So we'll see. It's going to be 10 episodes either way. I'm shooting for two a week. It may be more even once I get to scale. Who knows? I think season one is going to be dominated by scale, the trip down to scale, the people we're going to meet, the whole event. 
going to be really geeky. We'll try to keep some headlines in here and keep all that stuff normal, too. So you always get some of that every episode. So go grab every episode. You can subscribe at techtalk.today slash subscribe. And then please consider supporting the whole network, support journalism like Tech Talk today. I'm putting my journalism pants on for this show. We're going to try to do a good job of telling you compelling stories when we go down to scale. And we'd love your support to give us some runway to make it. Patreon.com slash Jupiter Signal. Events like Scale and Linux Fest are extremely expensive endeavors for Jupiter Broadcasting. But we also believe that they're critical to interacting with our community, establishing deep relationships and insights that make our shows better, and getting something that's different, something out of the studio that gives you variety. And we're just working harder and harder to do better at that. So when we go to these events, you enjoy the hell out of it. Patreon.com slash Signal. You can follow the whole network on Twitter, twitter.com slash jupitersignal. You can follow her on Twitter. She is at Anders. And I am at Chris L-A-S. Thank you for joining us. See you in a few days. <laughs> <laughs>